This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian. I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. Look, some of us are lazy, all right? If by lazy you mean wrong. Prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide whether the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers. Because guess what? This film is lit. After the disappearance of her scientist father, three peculiar beings send Meg, her brother, and her friend to space in order to find them. It's a wrinkle in time, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to the 16th episode of This Film is Lit. Today's episode, it's our first review and discussion of a film that just came out in theaters. It is 2018's Disney's A Wrinkle in Time. And it is based on the 1961? Two, 1962 think? novel A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Lang- Langle. That's how we decided that was pronounced. <laughs> we're going to get into our segments. Uh, I think we're going to... We'll, you'll, we'll, you'll get our feelings on this film throughout the course of the review. I think instead of or the episode as opposed to kind of reviewing it up front here. Mm-hmm. We have a lot to discuss. Um, so just strap in and you'll see how we feel about this. Let's start with Guess Who. Who are you? No one of consequence. I must know. Get used to disappointment. Okay. So this book is full of character descriptions. Okay. Pretty much everybody has a description. Um, I'm not including all of them for various reasons. Right. But we still have quite a few to get to. Okay. So here we go. She looked at herself in the wardrobe mirror and made a horrible face, bearing a mouthful of teeth covered in braces. Automatically, she pushed, she pushed her glasses into position, ran her fingers through her mouse-brown hair so that it stood wildly on end, and let out a sigh almost as noisy as the wind. Well, that surely has to be Meg. It surely is Meg. Yes. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's pretty easy. It fits pretty much, uh, pretty much on the nose. Yeah. Um, especially I mean, considering they, they uh, uh, she's not um, black or mi- mixed, I guess, in the book, right? Well, I guess well, I don't even know if they you never, know. Because that was her, a big outcry in the, yeah. in, from idiots on the internet. I mean, okay. So the other members of her family, some of them are, it's more obvious described that they're white. white. Um, they're not described as white, but, but they're, they have, you know, they have like eye colors that are yeah, more typically like blue Caucasian. Hair, yeah, or something blue like hair, blonde that. eyes, Where red hair, blah, blah, blah. At least. Right, where you would, you know, probably assume them Odds meant to wise, be yeah. Caucasian. Um, however, in the description that we get of Meg, doesn't mention her race. Huh. I'm just going to toss that out there. <laughs> just throwing um, that out there for all just, you. Just, uh, okay, brown hair, check, cool glasses, people. check, braces, <laughs> yeah. left that out yeah, of the they movie. Yeah, left that out. Yeah. 
And they even, yeah, because the brown mousy hair and the way it's, she's like, because that's a big sticking point in the thing, because she has very, like, natural yeah, she hair, her and hair that's a kind natural. of a thing she doesn't really like, mm-hmm. um, and they make a point of that. But, uh, like, the description of her hair and it standing on end, and be, like, actually fits with her yeah, character description, so, okay. <laughs> Glad that was worth getting outraged over, idiots on the internet. <laughs> one for one, next one. <clears throat> She untied a blue and green paisley scarf, a red and yellow flowered print, a gold liberty print, and a black and red bandana. Under all this, a sparse quantity of grayish hair was tied in a small but tidy knot on top of her head. Her eyes were bright, her nose a round, soft blob, her mouth puckered like an autumn apple. There's a lot of layers going on there. Which makes me think it's one of the witches or whatever they're called. I don't, mm-hmm. and I cannot remember their names for the life of me. Uh, it was Miss What's It, Who's It, and and what's it's Mrs. What's It, Mrs. Who, and Mrs. Witch. Okay, and Mrs. Witch. I know them most as the actresses who play them, being Mindy Kaling, Oprah. And Reese Witherspoon. Yes. So my initial thought was that Reese Witherspoon at one point, not when she's introduced, but at one point has lots of like scarfy things on. Uh, the gray hair makes me think it's Oprah's character um, because the other ones don't ever have gray hair. It's probably not Meg's mom because Meg's mom does not have gray hair. Um, so I'm going to go with Oprah, Miss Witch, right? Is that the right name? At yes. least for Okay. Um, but it's Mrs. What's It? It's Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon. I, that's the other one I could see. She has red hair in the movie, but um, the amount that the movie um, sexes them up. Oh yeah, is a lot. Really, like a lot. They're a all lot. just like old women. Yeah, they're just like like funny old ladies. Yeah. in the book. I mean, it, yeah, I guess it's sexes. It youngens them up, which I guess you could argue then in turn sex, sexes them up. But I, I don't think there any of them are particularly portrayed as. Like, sexy. They're all wearing in tons of clothes, like, all the time. And, like... All right. I'll cede to your point. It glitters them up. Yes. Okay, maybe glitters them up. But that's just the aesthetic, so... But, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that was was one of those two. Next one. (laughs) Tall he certainly was, and skinny. His bony wrists stuck out of the sleeves of his blue sweater. His worn corduroy trousers were three inches too short. He had orange hair that needed cutting, and the appropriate freckles to go with it. His eyes were an oddly bright blue. Um, uh, I can't remember his name either, but the the, the boy, the friend. Oh, wait, it could be her brother. No, skinny. Yeah, I'm going to say it's uh, whatever the, the friend is. Calvin. Calvin. It's Calvin. Yeah, it's Calvin. Okay. Woo, two for three. There appeared a figure in a black robe and a black peaked hat, beady eyes, a beaked nose, and long gray hair. One bony claw clutched a broomstick. This has got to be Ms. Witch. Yeah, it's All Ms. Right. Witch. <laughs> it's Oprah. Yeah, Oprah. It's Oprah. It's Oprah's character. That Yeah, that makes sense. She didn't have a broomstick ever, I don't think. But no. Just going on the name alone, I was just <laughs> making an assumption there. All right. She wore a turban of beautiful, beautiful pale mauve silk and a long, flowing purple satin gown. 
okay, well, I'm going to process some elimination this one, elimination this one and say Mrs. Mindy Kaling. <laughs> I don't know the character's name. Mrs. Who? Mrs. Who. But it's not Mrs. Damn. Who. It's the happy medium. Oh, it's, it's a woman. It's Zach Galifianakis' character. Yeah, it's a woman in the book. Doesn't that balance out all the idiots on the internet being mad that they made the main character I black? Mean, <laughs> that they made one a, a, a classically female character <laughs> a man? But sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of lady power in this book. Yeah. Well, and there is in the movie. Yeah. I mean, it's very, yeah, very much the theme of the film. He had grown a beard... And the silky brown was shot with gray. His hair, too, had not been cut. It was pushed back from his high forehead and fell softly almost to his shoulders, so that he looked like someone in another century, or a shipwrecked sailor. All right, well, that is very clearly Chris Pine. Yes. <laughs> it's Mr. Murray, or Mr. Dr. Yeah, Murray. Yeah, Meg's dad. I think he's doctor. Yeah, that's pretty good. His hair was a little shorter in the movie, but that yeah. was pretty spot on Yeah. with his description. Four for six. <laughs> whatever it's still pretty good well that was that for that uh we'll get that out of the way so now we can really get into how our feelings on this film because that was the nice fun part uh we're gonna get into was that in the book which will tease in a little bit and then really when we get into lost in adaptation in a few minutes it's gonna yeah it's gonna get interesting but let's do was that in the book nicholas flamel is the only known maker of the philosopher's stone the what Honestly, don't you two read? All right. I only have a few things because there were so many things I could pick. And so I, uh, there's probably things in Lost in Adaptation that could fit in this category. But I, I don't know. I just had a few in particular things um, that stuck out to me as potentially uh, as, as potential additions mm-hmm. for the movie. Mindy Kaling, Mrs. Who? Mm-hmm. Does she speak in quotes? In the book, um, yes, yes, it it comes off a little more naturally in the book than it does in the movie. Okay, um, she doesn't follow up the person's name by stating what country they're from. Okay, in the book, oh, like yeah, yeah, but that was they had to do that I know. because they used some contemporary ones that, and they use it as a punchline for some jokes and stuff here and yeah. there. It kind of works, but they had to do that for some of the honestly for the big one at the end. Because nobody, I don't think, would... I mean, I, I'm a huge Hamilton fan, and spoilers that there's a Hamilton reference at the end of this movie. <laughs> I've listened to the soundtrack dozens of times. If she had not said Miranda afterwards, I'm not, I mean, I would have been I would have been like, was that... Well, right, was because she, quoting Hamilton? she doesn't give the whole quote no, that would she make doesn't, it obvious. Because it doesn't make sense as the yeah. whole quote. She can only use the one line yeah. of, tomorrow there'll be more of us. Because if she says... <laughs> Let's drink for the four of us. <laughs> Tomorrow there'll be more of us. In the context of the scene, doesn't really... Or let's yeah. drink to the four of us. Yeah, tomorrow there'll be more of us. Doesn't really make sense in the context of the scene. So, she, yeah, they had to add the last name thing, so you kind of got where right. that was from. Or And I think in numerous times, there's one with, like, I think a Chris Tucker line from... Or I don't even know. I, she says Tucker at one point. Yeah. And it's like some... She just says, like, one exclamation. Um Oh, that's when she says, damn. Yeah, and was I assume she was doing, like, Chris Tucker when I she said, I don't, know. I don't know. I'm trying to think what other Tucker it could be, but that would be weird, because, uh, anyways. Um, oh. but so the quote speaking is it's, it's in there. She doesn't, like, just say quotes. She kind of um, buffers them. 
With like with, normal words? Yeah, with like normal. Interesting. So it, to me, it comes off a little more naturally. Yeah. It would make sense as somebody who was like a very sage person yeah. to to drop a lot of quotes, but mm-hmm. also speak normally. I think the way they say it in the movie actually kind of works where she's she's used all of her own work. Like it's a funny, right. like it kind of makes sense. They, they, they explain it as she's used all of her own words. So now she only speaks in other people's words or something like that. But then they drop that when she gets to the the evil world because at that point their power's fading so when their power's yeah, I, fading she can speak in her own words it's explained kind of the same way in the book they yeah. say like oh she's evolved past language so it's easier for her to just use other use other people's okay. words yeah that's what um, they say in the movie but they don't do the whole thing with like the powers fading and i wasn't really sure like what kind of a rule the movie was trying to set up there. I don't know. That's a big problem. Maybe we should have started with a, a slight overall review, but uh but yeah, that was a that was an issue I yeah. had. Um I think we'll we'll get kind of a mini review when we get to Lost in Adaptation, so hang around for just a bit more. We got a couple more for was that in the book. Uh this is a big moment in the film. A big visual moment in the film, mm. uh, in both good and bad ways, in my opinion. Uh, the flying plant lady thing. Is that in the book? <laughs> okay, so, no, but also kind of, because Mrs. What's-It, Reese Witherspoon's character, she doesn't turn into, like, she turns into, like, a like a leaf stingray thing with a head. Is that in the movie you're talking about? Yeah, yes. in the movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, in the context, they get to the first planet after they first test her, and it's like a big, like, flowery... I think it was shot in New Zealand, but um, it's like a big, green, beautiful yeah, planet. Yeah, beautiful And they talk place. to some flowers, and the flowers tell her her father is this way, and then they all get, and then so she turns into a, like somewhere towards the sky or in space or something. So Reese Witherspoon turns into a giant plant, yeah, like you yeah. said, manta ray dragon like thing. Like a giant leaf with a head. Yeah. And they all jump on her leaf back. Yeah, and this uh, looks terrible. Oh, it looks The awful. CG green screening compositing of those characters on her is really bad for some well, reason. and I don't think, like, it's not good, um... I, I guess, like, the computer animation of her as the plant I thought that thing. was okay. I didn't think it was... Mm. I thought it was kind of cheesy looking. I thought that was okay. Not great, but okay. Or pretty good. I, the thing that was, as soon as they got on it, it looked very cheap. Like, it yeah. looked like... I mean, there were other visual effects later, and, and in certain parts it looked fine and mm-hmm. looked good. But that one was really rough. Uh, like, the moments when they're, like, falling around on it and stuff. It looks... It reminded me of, like, when you watch really cheesy like sci-fi movies yeah. of people in superimposed into green screen environments and they're kind of like not connected you can very totally very clearly tell that they are not physically in the environment that right. they are in <laughs> um and that was a yeah that was an issue uh yeah with that scene um, but in the book she doesn't turn into a giant flying leaf okay um she does turn into a giant winged centaur that's pretty sweet. I know. I was. I had completely forgotten about that because, like I said, I hadn't read this book since I was like a kid. Yeah. Kid. Um, and then I got to that part, and I was like, literally, all I want to know about this movie <laughs> is does Reese Witherspoon turn into a centaur? That's all I wanted to know. Yeah. And I was disappointed. She does not. 
unfortunately. All right. My final one for was that in the book. And then we can really get into the meat of this thing. Uh, the glasses that they give that Oprah, no, Mindy uh, Kaling. Yeah, Mindy Kaling. Gives Meg as a gift to help her see the 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 structure of the universe or whatever. I don't even... I don't even know exactly what they do. She boots them on and she can see things that she couldn't see. Um, they normally. are in the book. Okay. They I um are a lot prettier in the movie. Yeah, they're, they're the, neat yeah. looking. In the book, they're just kind of described as like big, thick glasses. Yeah. But they like are in the book faceted. and they, they come from Mrs. Who and they work the same way. They okay. help her see things that she can't see otherwise. Okay. So those are in the book. I, yeah, I, I thought they could be, but I also thought it could be a way to kind of shortcut right story-wise if they needed to to, yeah somehow you know yeah i I don't even know what it would be i just felt like it could have been something that they could use to kind of shortcut and shorthand uh 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 uh, more complicated issues in this story later if she has some magical thing that helps her see but in the book all right uh so we're gonna go to lost adaptation here so let's do that just show me the way to get out of here and i'll be on my way yes Yes, and I want to get unlost as soon as possible. Okay, I have a lot for this one. Uh, and this is where I guess we'll get in to kind of our feelings, and because I think a lot was lost. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they tried to do a lot of things with this. Yeah. And it maybe a lot of it just didn't really pan out. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Yeah, and we'll save even more of like some of the problems for our general discussion here uh, coming up after this section. And and I guess because we're not going to do yeah, I don't really want to do better in the book, better in the book, better in the movie. So Um, we're going to kind of substitute that section for our general discussion slash review of the film. So that'll be coming up here in a minute or two. We'll do get into a little bit of the problems we had here in Lost in Adaptation. Um. But so uh, for me, a lot was lost in adaptation uh, because this movie's a mess. Um, yeah, you, we came out of the theater and you were like, "What happened?" What just happened? It is unfortunately an absolute mess. Here's things that confused me, and I'm gonna need your help. Did her dad leave them on purpose? Um, I think the movie kind of implies yes. Yes, it does. But it also kind of doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I was confused. So, uh, in the book, it's a little bit different because he's working for the government. Okay. And I think they kind of implied in the movie that he, like, worked for he's, NASA he's or like, something. He's at least, like, somehow tied he's like a i don't know if he works for nasa but he's some he gives a presentation to people like from right like nasa or the government but it's i think it's less implied he's working for them and more implied he's like a, a scholar you know he's yeah. an academic and he's presenting his findings or whatever yeah and not so much he works for them maybe he has grant money from the government or whatever but so, i wouldn't say he works for nasa but in the book he when he vanishes it's because he's working on a top secret government project oh and i remember too that this is cold war era okay right yeah right. so a, that so this was set yeah in, that yeah. ties into um thematic elements of the time period right. concerns that people would have had um it would have made a lot of sense right. at the time so in the book yes and no i mean he's working for the government on purpose but yeah. you know they send him away and his mission is 
Well, I guess they don't know if it's successful because he hasn't come back because he's been trapped. So that's a very different thing to me because if they send him away and, like, it's not his... Because in the movie, I could legitimately could not tell if he left on purpose because they make it sound that way a lot. Yeah. And the moment where we see him leave, where she has that flashback later in the movie where he's like out in the shed Mm -hmm. and he looks in at the family and it looks like I assume he's making the conscious decision to go and do this. But also, I kind of feel like it was was supposed to be an accident. Like he, or at least it was an accident how long he was gone, I guess, was definitely supposed to be the case because we're not supposed to be, I couldn't understand if we were supposed to be upset with him that he like left them. Or if we weren't, because it sort of felt like they they were all like, why'd you leave us? But I also got the feeling that he didn't mean to be gone that long. Right. And and we ultimately end up not ever feeling or resolving the idea that he like abandoned them or anything. See, but I also feel, yeah. That was, that's where um, I think one of the, like, the thematic things that they were trying to do with the movie didn't quite pan out. Because you're right, it's it's not clear how we're supposed to feel about yeah. him having been gone or whether or not we're supposed to blame him yeah, for it. Yeah, I never understood because it feels like she's upset with him about it. And he even seems to somewhat take ownership of the fact that he left and, like, it was his decision and, like, he left them. But, like, at the same time, there's never any... We immediately are fine with it. Like, their their right. reunion, they immediately are over it and, and are cool. And, like, there's no... And, like, when he comes back home, his wife... Like, she's f- immediately fine. Like, everything's fine. And it, and it almost felt like... Well, it sounded like you were setting it up that he did this... Like, he left. Like, he was like, I gotta go do this. And he... Because he says, like, I want to shake hands with the universe, blah, blah, blah. And I guess the, the implication is that he did do it on purpose... And that we are supposed to be upset, but he did not mean to be gone for four years. It was sort of a weird thing where he got caught by the the it or whatever, yeah. and so was trapped somehow or something. I'm guessing mm-hmm. is the implication. So this it makes more sense um, in the book, at least, that if you it was an accident, you know, like he was working on some project and got voiped into the, or I don't know if that's what what you what you're saying or if well. We never really know for sure. Okay. Because it's like a top secret. And um, so the the government's basically like not telling the family where he is or what happened to him. So they don't have the same sort of feeling of, because they all knew what he was working on. They all knew, Mm -hmm. because he was working on it with the mom. And so, and they all kind of knew what he was doing to some extent. And so, yeah, I don't know. I had a hard time trying to figure out that. Like, whether or not I was supposed to be upset at him or not. I couldn't decide. Right. That's why I say I think it doesn't play out thematically because they kind of start out acting like, oh, we're going to be upset with him and this is going to be, like, one of our themes of this. And then at the end of it, that kind of falls flat. Yeah, it just goes away. Yeah, like, they, don't kinda, really they don't really work through it, that. No. At least it didn't seem like it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Moving on. Um. Why so? And this, you probably don't have an answer. To this, well, we can discuss tessering a bit. It's the thing they do to get from 
place to place in the universe or whatever, or from parallel universe to parallel universe or wherever they're travel traveling, which was never particularly super made clear. But um, they do this thing called tessering where they, they focus on the universe or something and it allows them to travel through space time. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> it actually is explained a little bit. Okay. Um, in the book. I mean, it is in the movie. I just don't remember exactly. Well, I think the movie explanation is a little cheesy. Doesn't he say something about love? Yeah. yeah. You, they're like, you have to find the right frequency to be able to tesser, and the right frequency is love. Yeah. Which what is does that not mean? Doesn't really in mean the anything. book. Okay. It also doesn't really, I'm like, what does that even mean? So, in the book, um, only the three misses can tesser. Okay. And I think the dad tessered initially with help of some like kind of like equipment. Yeah, whatever, the government. Yeah. Which is I think the implication also when he leaves, he has like some equipment set up. Right. And that kind of was what allows it to happen in the shed or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But um but it's explained in the book like the same way as like uh like you bend the fabric, you fold the fabric, yeah. and touch two ends of right. it together, and now you can jump over this. That's yeah. why it's called a wrinkle in yeah. time, because they wrinkle the fabric. And, and they do they do touch on that in the movie, and there's at least an illustration of that happening mm -hmm. at one point, I think, during their presentation. And also, there's another thing about it that I want to get on when we get later, um, I, that I, when I dis we discuss kind of our general problems and stuff with the movie... Uh, there's a, there's a part that, yeah, where that came up that wasn't in the movie, but we'll get to. Um, so yeah, they do explain that to some extent. And I did get, I did get that idea that that's what was happening. My question is, so, okay, so her dad can do it in the movie mm -hmm. and her dad can just, so they find him, she finds him and he's right. like in this room, this like cool looking room and she gets him out of it. And then as soon as they're out of it and then Charles Wallace is like dragging him around being evil Charles Wallace or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, he's like, we got to get out of here. We got to test her right now. And then he does. And him and uh, Calvin are just gone. Yeah. So he takes them out of there and she resists because she wants to save Charles Wallace. Right. Um, and I was like, okay, so could he have done that the whole time? Is there any indication in the book that he's being held somewhere where he can't yes. get out? Okay, okay, that's what I was wondering, I guess. In the book, he's actually being held in, like, a pitch black tube, which sounds way more terrifying than I did being like held in a cool orangey room. I liked that. I thought it was visually interesting, but yeah, yeah it it's not terrifying. No, it's not terrifying. Oh, well, it one. could be a little sort of insanity-inducing, like... Yeah, sure, uh, but not as not, much as a pitch black tube. No. Okay. So, and, and I says the assumption there is that he, that's something that he couldn't get out of and right which i guess is implied in the movie it just is a little strange to me that he immediately can like whoop, yeah himself and, and back. The, in the book he doesn't he like he can't test her without yeah. help from equipment so okay like that part in the movie really didn't make sense because like you said when he initially did it he, he had that equipment there yeah of like well i guess i don't really know what the equipment was supposed to be doing maybe it was just measuring things well I, one of the things is, and what it, one of the things we see in the film is a it's a it's a plate that you can put sound vibration through mm -hmm. because I've seen you've seen like YouTube videos of people do this, and when you put vibrations through at certain frequencies, it makes you dump sand on it, and we see him doing this with Meg early in the movie. You dump sand on it, you turn it at certain frequencies, and it makes cool designs because the the way the frequent the 
the the vibrations move they like create interesting and like really neat designs and it's kind of like this cool like trick sciencey trick you can do um and he has that mm-hmm. and 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 so i guess you know that plays into the idea of like frequencies and and focusing on certain whatever i and so that he's using something along those lines and maybe some other stuff when he does it the first time but yeah he just does it at the end of the movie and voips himself out of there yeah and that doesn't happen in the book no, I guess he does test her in the book. It's like a throwaway line. Oh, okay. But he does do it. Huh. Well, it's interesting. I'm just, I, I wonder, maybe he didn't need the technology. Maybe it was. Yeah, maybe once he learned how. He, he sort of knew. figured it out. Like the yeah. technology or the equipment or whatever helped him kind of figure it out. And then he knew how to do it or something. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Okay. Interesting. All right. Um. So I get, yeah, I don't know. It's not much clarity on it, but, <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, all right. So let, let's go to this one now. What is the it? What is its goal? Oh, you want to talk about the it now? I think so. Okay. All right. So the it is darkness and evil. All right, so it's it's darkness and evil. I got that. That was clear from the movie. Um, is so it's just it's it's like a doesn't have any goals. It's just sort of spreading. It's kind of like the uh, the nothing in Neverending Story. That'd be a similar, yeah, kind of where it's like an unthinking sort of just thing spreading, kind of like a virus or something. Uh, it's a brain. Oh, it in is. The book. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's spreading. I mean, this is kind of where we get, um, some of the like Christian themes of the novel where you have this entity that's like just evil and it exists to be evil. Right. Um, and everyone else's badness is caused by this kind of evil and darkness. Okay. And I got that in the movie because they they have that moment where they when they're describing it or whatever on uh, Scaligets or whatever the fuck it's um, whatever the planet or area place that oh, the it yeah, is Kamazots. from Kamazots that's it. Um, they have that scene where they're jumping around to different characters in the real world, like characters yeah. we know, uh, like being shitty or being upset or be you know whatever, and it very clearly being caused by right. Um the it or whatever um so i I guess i got that i guess i got it really answers my question i just felt like i was a little like unsatisfied and like it was given a little short shrift of like what exactly are are we're fighting against here like other than just like badness was kind of the problem i i don't know when i was watching the movie i was just a little like so it's just okay it makes people bad and it's just this thing well, that, that's it. <laughs> not exactly, but I want to put a pin in that and come back to it a little later because okay. there's something else kind of big that I want to talk about in regards to that. All right. Um, and then, well, this is to touch on that with Charles Wallace, which is an interesting whole thing. Uh, there's a lot to discuss there. But his, so his, the, his turn in the movie is eventually he becomes the villain of the film, basically. Not mm-hmm. him, really, but... The the it through him or yes. whatever becomes the villain of the movie. Is that the same in the book? Yes. Okay. Is it established in the book more why? Yes. Okay. So 
The movie did a really, really bad job with Charles Wallace. This was a nightmare for me, because I, when he becomes evil, I was like, what? Why? <laughs> like, Charles Wallace in the movie, definitely smart for his age. Yeah. A little precocious. Yeah. A little odd. I, I would say even more than that. They portray him as brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, and, and there's a throwaway line early by Reese Witherspoon that says something along the lines of, like, he's the most brilliant. There's something, I don't know, she has some line about how special and brilliant he is. So, in the book, he's kind of like a proto-Charles Xavier. Okay. Like, he basically has, like, telepathy, oh. he can kind of read minds, he's, like, he's not just a genius, he's, like, next, next level. Okay. And I think they did a really poor job portraying that. I got elements of that. And, you know, some of the things he knows and the way he pretends to, or not pretends, but the way where he, like, you know, the way he talks about, but it's, I could, you could also see it being easily portrayed or, or, um, so there's moments where he seems to know things that he should have no, uh, no earthly chance of knowing but you could also write it off as him being a weird little kid saying shit exactly kind of like it almost comes yeah. across as just this weird very smart like um maybe like on the spectrum like i don't even know if that's the right description for it but like where he just says things where everybody's like what and like you know where he talks about he, he like jokes with the 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 witch whatever the the what are they called the three they call him the three misses. Okay, the three misses. He like jokes with them about about Meg not being caught up yet, and like yeah. you know, like that sort of thing. Where I'm like, oh, does he like know everything that's going on? But then also, I'm like, maybe he's just being a weird little kid, like insane, weird, like right. kind of. And I, that's why I say I don't think they did a great yeah. job with setting him up because you can kind of read it either way. Yeah. And then uh, the other thing that we lost with uh, Charles Wallace was that in the book, the reason he gets um, possessed, possessed by the that's it. the word I was yeah. looking for. He gets possessed by it because he gets a big head about what he's capable of doing. Okay. And he like opens himself up to the it because he's like, well, I have to, because that's the only way we'll know what's going on. I can do it. I can do it. And then, bing, bang, boom. Right. He gets okay. possessed. That's not what happens, from no. what I recall in the Mm-mm. movie. In the movie, it's real abrupt and sudden. Like, he suddenly just starts, like, uh, repeating the multiplication tables along with, um, what's his name? Michael Pena? Michael Pena, yeah. yeah. Well, it's after he eats the food... Right, and the food actually has nothing to do with it. (laughs) It doesn't? I didn't think it did because he eats it and goes, ah, it just tastes like sand. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he just seems to randomly all of a sudden be like, yeah, like possessed. And I was like, and yeah, because my other question was, yeah, was the food somehow have to, because they eat, you know, they make this, this is my other was that, or lost in adaptation, which just drove me crazy. Either they left something out of the movie or the editing was off. So that, there is food in the book. They do eat food. He says the food does taste like sand. Right. The food isn't real. Yeah, it's not real yeah. in the movie. It's not yeah. real, and when you eat the food, like, if you're of a certain intelligence level, you're not fooled by it. Okay. So, like, that's, I That's guess, when he's like, it tastes like sand, and yeah. then Calvin's like, it tastes delicious, or whatever. Yeah. Right. Okay. 
But the thing that drove me crazy about the food and why, and I guess, it, does it play out this way in in the book? Is there's a scene where it's the scene and where it's the Stepford Wives scene. I'll call it. I don't know what a better description for it. It's the one you see in the trailer where all the little kids out on the thing. I don't know if that's in the book or mm-hmm. described similarly, but. And they're standing there and they're watching all the pe- the kids and they all go inside for dinner. And then that one mom is like, hey, you guys should come eat some food. And they've been warned previous, like in the scene before this, they've been warned by, I guess, Oprah or whoever right before they left. Yeah. Like, don't trust anything here. This place is fucking crazy. Yeah. Don't trust anything. And they go, she's like, you guys should come in and eat some food. And, like, and, and Calvin's like, I'm pretty hungry. And then Meg's like, uh-uh, don't do it. We can't. That's a bad idea. Let's get out of here. And then literally they turn around and walk away and then that setting drops away and they're on the beach and it's the beach scene. And they even have a line where she says, oh yeah, they said it's a place of many faces. It can change and, or that Kamasats is a place that, you know, it can change. And so this is just, we're still, you know, uh, reiterating the idea. Don't trust what we're seeing. Don't trust any of this. They walk over to that beach setting and there's food there. And they immediately start eating it. Well, Meg doesn't, but the other two do, and she doesn't try to stop them. And I'm like, you just, in the last scene, were like, we shouldn't eat that food. That's it's not a good idea. And then the next scene, there's food, and they're like, all right, we can eat some of this food, I guess. Does that happen and remotely like that in the book? Uh, yes and no. There okay. is a scene where they're presented with food, and they're starving. Like, they haven't eaten yeah, in days. Yeah. Um, and... But in the book, they kind of, like, reason through it, like, well, here's why it doesn't make any sense for you to be poisoning us, blah, 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 so we'll try the food. Like, it's a lot more abrupt in the movie. Like, they go from point A to point, like, W. Yeah. With no steps in between. Yeah, I guess yeah, I guess my question was it was literally back to back scenes where yeah. they realize we shouldn't eat the food and then the next scene they immediately start eating the food and I'm like what you j- Yeah, what? Well, and, and the scene the scene in the neighborhood doesn't play out the same way in the book. Yeah, so that's one thing where it's different like they're not offered any food in that scene, so okay. I don't know if that helps you at all. I, is there a scene before the time where they eat it where they're offered food and they don't eat it? No. Okay. That was my big problem. That was my <laughs> big problem with that and why I was confused because it was so just like, what? We just, you just figured out you shouldn't eat the food. Not even figured out. You just had a scene where you realized you shouldn't eat the food you were being offered and then you immediately eat the food you're being offered. And and it wouldn't even bother me if, I mean, Meg obviously doesn't eat it and looks like upset or kind of confused or like not happy that they're eating it, but she never tries to stop them or says yeah. anything. And I, I guess the idea is she's there like slowly getting worn down and, and I, but they're there for such a short amount of time. And it's so close to the scene where it just happened that I was like, wait, what? I'm, that's a stupid specific thing. I just didn't understand what <laughs> the hell was going on. All right. And then finally, I get to get back to Charles Wallace again, because we were sidetracked by the food thing. So he gets taken, he opens his brain in the book or opens his mind because he, Mm-hmm. And his reason being that he can somehow then control it, destroy it. What? That he's he thinks he'll be able to like peek inside. Okay. And like find out information. Right. And he thinks he'll be able to do this safely. So it's a little uh, Pandora's boxy type. Oh yeah, a little bit thing of okay. Because um, in the movie, it just, like we said, it just happens. Yeah. And it's definitely not the food, like you said. 
Because it's not the food in the book. It's also not the food in the movie because nothing happens to Calvin. Right. He just is fine. He just eats the food and is fine. My bigger problem, too, is that then the thing that plays out, and and I don't know if this was addressed in the book at all, after Charles becomes possessed by the evil, the it or whatever, um, uh, Meg's dad and Calvin test her out of there because Calvin or her Meg's dad is like, we got to go and then we'll come back and get him. Mm-hmm. Because we can't save him right now or whatever, um, and Meg's like, "No, fuck that! I'm I'm not leaving him here." And again, it's another moment where it's like, "What did she learn?" Nothing. Because like earlier in the movie, this they get thrown to Camazots uh, because she resists, right? Because the, she doesn't want to go make a plan. Because she's too headstrong and hasty and wants to just go immediately and try to save her dad, and she ends up. On yeah, they end up there and they're like, it's not a great thing. And then the same thing happens here, where her dad's like, "We gotta go. We'll come back and get him." And she's like, "No." And then, and I guess the idea is just stick to your guns. Like, yes. <laughs> okay, so. But ultimately, the thing that ends up in 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 the and I, this is the whole last act of this movie is just I I don't understand any of like what we're supposed to be getting out of it, but. She she basically, like, her and, and Charles have this back and forth where it seems like she's, like, trying to convince him she actually loves him. Yeah. Because he's adopted. And that's yeah. made clear earlier in the movie. But there's never any tension on the fact that he's adopted. Mm-mm. There's never any... There's never a single hint at the fact that he feels unwanted or unloved or, or any sort of weird... Um, no, there's not. You know what I mean? There's never any hints throughout the whole rest of the movie that he feels any sort of weirdness about the fact that he's adopted and that Meg is, you know, not his blood sister or whatever. Yeah. Um, and they seem like a great family and that he wouldn't have any of those sort of insecurities. And now obviously, and so the, what the, what the, the it seems to do is kind of heighten all of your insecurities and, and make, you know, cause the big yeah. thing, a big theme of the movie is overcoming your own, overcoming your own insecurities and learning to love yourself, that sort of thing for who you are. Great theme. Got it. Does a pretty good job with that overall. Actually, I mean, if that's the thing it's probably most successful at, kind of. Um, but when Charles, at the end, is, like, evil and, like, again, I, I guess it's the it that is controlling him and it's not really him so much. But it sounds like he's voicing these weird feelings of, like, insecurity about that. Or at least if he's not, then it seems weird that the thing that saves him is Meg convincing him that she loves him and that he's her brother. Is, how does this play okay, out in the book? I'm so, sorry. I don't, I'm just confused. I, so I, it is it is love that saves him. Yeah. And then she uses love to save him. Which, yeah, I'm fine which with is, that. I, it's very, uh, kind of like in Harry Potter. That's right. like they, Yeah, it's love. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the one thing that the evil doesn't have, right. that the heroes have, blah, blah, blah. He's not adopted okay. in the book. And I think that the idea of him... Being adopted, kind of like heightening that theme, could have worked really well. Yeah. Like, I think I understand why they wanted to go with that. Yeah. But like you said, they don't set up any kind of insecurity about it from him, which to me is why it doesn't work. Yeah, that's why I was so confused. If if there had been a single scene early in the movie... Where there's any sort of back... And maybe there was that was cut. Who knows? It feels like there was a lot cut, probably. Yeah. But but if there was a single scene or two where you got any sort of inkling that Charles Wallace uh, felt not 
completely like part of the family or not completely like like that Meg didn't completely love him or or something. So he found that ins- felt that insecurity in him at all. Yeah. Then it makes uh, instantly makes sense to me at the end. Like I get like I get why when once the, I don't get why the thing took him over because that again never really makes it just kind of happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I at least would understand why he why why how what she does saves or or, or you know getting him to get over that last bit and reminding him of her love for him and that and that that insecurity forces out the it from him or whatever. I could buy that, I guess. Mm-hmm. I just didn't really understand why it worked in the movie. I was very confused by I all of that. I don't think it does work in the movie. No, I know, but I mean why her why her telling her him that she loves him and that she, he's her brother, her yeah, he's her brother and that sort of thing. I was like, "What was that a thing he didn't know? Like, was that a thing he was worried yeah. about? Like, uh, I, I don't know. It was uh, very strange. So in the book, she it's the same thing. Love conquers. Yeah. Um, but is it just she goes to him and... and Right. Well, in the book, um, she doesn't, like, headbutt her way into staying there. Yeah. She gets injured, and they have to leave for, like, a chapter or two. They leave Charles Wallace there, and they go to another planet. And basically oh. all, like recoup and i get why they cut that yeah um because it's kind of a a weird like break from the action right at the climax yeah Um, yeah that would be a little weird it's a bit odd but uh but then she goes back by herself okay like she insists on going back and the misses are like we don't know if we're gonna be able to get you off again right she's like no i have to go back i have to try to save him um and that's when she goes back and basically uses the power of love okay. to break the its hold on Charles Wallace. Okay. Boy. Whew. All right. <laughs> I still, all right, let's, that was all I had for lost in adaptation, but let's just get, I don't know what we're going to call this segment, but uh, maybe just, uh, whew, that, that was disappointing. <laughs> I really, really, really wanted to like this movie. I desperately wanted to like I this movie. I wanted to like it so much. Because I like it. so much of the idea of the movie. Yeah. And it was just, it was just a mess. Like, I'm sorry and I hate to have to say it, but it was a mess. It really was. Like, it was, I had so many issues for so many different reasons throughout the film that it, what it most reminded me of, uh, was and we you have never seen this, but uh, was like why when I watched Suicide Squad, mm. I had almost the exact same feeling, where the editing and the pacing are so terrible, yeah, that it completely destroys any enjoyment for me of the film. Not any, that's not true. There were things I enjoyed. There were moments I enjoyed, um, but it's edited. And even, I think, to some extent, shot so strangely and poorly and paced so terribly. And I think part of that, that those things, and those are the two most important things that you never really notice. Boy, this is going everywhere. Um, (laughs) You know how when you get that feeling when you watch a movie and you go, this really isn't just a very good movie, but you're not really sure why you just didn't like it. Not even Mm -hmm. not sure why. You just, 
you just didn't like it. And you could point to other things you didn't like. You can point to story elements you didn't like. But you get that sort of vague feeling as you're watching it that, like, this isn't good. Yeah. Generally speaking, the the reason for that is the editing and the pacing. And because those are hard things to are, very, are pretty difficult, especially for uh, a standard audience, to, to quanti- not quantify, qualify mm-hmm. in a precise way uh, and realize that's what's not working for them. Right. But it is, like, two of the most important things that when they're working right, you don't realize and you just like, wow, this is a great movie. And when they aren't working, you're like, holy cow, this is so not good. Like, this, why, this is a mess. And it, the word mess is probably the easiest word to identify with that. And the problem I had throughout the film was that with the editing, it felt like to me every single shot and I haven't seen this. I've been looking at some reviews, and I haven't seen this critique very often. I saw a few of them, but like every single shot to me felt like a close-up or a medium shot. For people not that don't know what that means, a close-up obviously most people know what that is. Is a close-up generally the face, just the face? Yeah, you know, a close-in. There's also an ex- this also uses what I think some people would probably call an extreme close-up a lot of the times, where it's like literally just like. The face, mm-hmm. whereas a close-up's, you know, usually like the neck or, you know, it's just a close-up of the face. Um, a lot of close-ups and a whole lot of medium shots. Medium shots being sort of like waist-ish up, roughly, mm-hmm. where you're getting, you know, the top half of the character. So if they're doing any emoting with their hands or anything, you're getting that in. Um, but the, a lot of shit was shot like that, and then it was chopped around so willy-nilly between characters and the dialogue bounced back and forth. I got so lost in every scene at not only where we were in space, but like there's this thing when you're editing where you want to maintain the audience's feeling of, um, orientation. Yes. I mean, you want to maintain the audience's feeling of orientation within the scene Mm -hmm. so that when you're cutting back and forth between people talking and within the environment, whatever room they're in, wherever they're at, that you feel like you know where they're at, where the characters they're talking to are, and where everything is going on in the room is. It's not a super easy thing to do all the time, especially in a movie where you have six characters a lot of times on the screen at once with the the, the misses and our yeah. characters and then usually another character. But it got so distracting to me trying to remember who was where and what the room we were in even looked like. Or what, like, what we were even, like, looking at anymore because everything was somebody's face or somebody's upper half. It just blew me away. And that was the editing, and it drove me insane. And then the pacing, this movie rubber bands around so much where it, it, it starts pretty good. The first act, or I would say the first act pacing is pretty solid where we're moving from scene to scene in a way that feels good and makes sense. And then we finally get on the adventure. I thought that all worked pretty good. But then we hit the first major weird pacing snag when we get to the uh, Happy Medium's place. Mm -hmm. Because they spend forever there. Yeah. Like, exceedingly long time there. And you're like, why are we still in this scene? Like, you you think it's done, but then it's not. And she goes and talks to the Happy Medium by herself for a while. And and so that happens. And then it finally takes off from there again. And then you get to the end. And then the pacing is like bouncing everywhere where we're like they're immediately they get to the camisotes and you're like oh wait okay we're towards the end but then there's like a whole bunch more that still happens mm-hmm. and then it just you're, you're back and forth and on and off the gas pedal so often that it just whew, combined with the, the re- truly just slipshod editing I feel, I feel like took place in this movie really was like what the thing that for me that just made it a mess but that's a little more from the technical side and I'm hardly completely qualified to talk on that but i at least know a little bit about 
why I think that the why I think it's not working for general audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is and and some of the reasons they might not even realize. I think it has a lot to do with how it's edited, how it's shot, and how it's paced. And it's that thing you don't even really realize, but it's like, oh god, this is a chore to watch. So uh, there were a lot of elements to this that I thought didn't work. A lot of which we've discussed. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff that they didn't set up well. Some of the through lines that didn't pan out. Um, some of the thematic stuff that was just kind of messy. Yeah. Um, and then there were other little things, like some of the dialogue I thought was not oh, that great. Some of it was straight up terrible. Yeah. Um, costumes were fun. Yeah. Makeup and costume department had great. just a grand old time. Great. Super fun. Super cool. Um, Way on board. Giant Oprah. Did not work I wasn't me. a big fan of Giant Oprah. I'm just going to say Oprah in general didn't work for me because one, I didn't think she did a very good job and Oprah can yeah. be a very good actress. Like she's very good in, in, in at least movies back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this, I thought her performance was, we'll say uninspired. I don't know. I just it thought it was a little canned. Yeah. It felt really canned to me. Uh, and I guess what she was going for was sort of that ethereal, like, yeah, you know, restrained, like, yeah, God, goddess type thing but it didn't but more than so for me was that it's so distracting and i i don't know if this is fair criticism or not but it, for me this is just how i felt watching it is that it it's so distracting every time you look at the screen and it's oprah yeah like it's just oprah like she's she's so monolithic and be and like yeah i it's hard to describe because and i don't want to say i don't want to be unfair in the sense that there are plenty of actors and actresses who are huge that when they're in a role, can be. I guess it's because she's such a personality, right? Well, on we don't. That's it. We don't know her as an actress. Yeah. Really, we know her as Oprah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's this huge personality outside of cinema. Yeah, it's like if Obama was in the fucking movie, <laughs> and you know if he had acted some, or like here, a better example, like Ronald Reagan, because he actually acted back yeah. in the day. Like if towards the end of his career, Ronald Reagan like had a. A small part in a movie, I'd be like, all it could be like is that that's Ronald Reagan, as the president of the United States or former president. You know what I mean? Or it's just every time she was on screen, I just couldn't get over her the fact that it was Oprah, and it just took me out of the movie every time. And yeah. I know some people that might not be a problem, but for me, it yeah, was. sure. You know who I would have liked better? Who played the the queen in Black Panther? Oh yeah, um, she would have been really good. Uh, Angela Bassett? Very regal. Yeah, Bassett? I think so. Yeah, I think I mean, I'm it. sure she was busy doing Black Panther. Yeah, she was probably so she filming Black Panther. Done this, but she, she would have been, been great, she yeah. She would have been really good. She would have been really good. Um, and yeah, I also just didn't think Oprah was very good, but yeah. that's, you know, I, whatever. <sighs> um, go ahead. <clears throat> so the big thing that I wanted to talk about um, was camisots. Okay. Because they completely changed what it is okay for the movie so how how would you describe camisots having seen the film well, based What's on it our about? based on our lost in adaptation i already have a lot of trouble with that because i was asking <laughs> you what so this is another problem i had and this kind of gets back to that discussion i had very hard time knowing if there was a difference between camisots and the it mm-hmm. because in the movie it kind of feels like the same thing uh-huh. like it's like this big blow black bulby mass and they're yep. like, you're wearing camisots. And I'm like, oh, is that the planet, I guess? 
Mm-hmm. But they're like, they're, you're at, this is where the it lives, I guess. So maybe the Amazons is the planet and the it is inhabits there or something, I guess. I kind think of... that's how they try to sell it in the movie, yeah. I think. I think. what that they was... were doing. Yeah, yeah. It felt to me like, uh, almost like they went into a computer game where yeah. it kept changing and like it was just changing around them all the time. So yes, in the movie, Kamazot's the planet or the place they are is it, it very much is like a simulation. Yes, like where it can change what it looks like and what like they first get there, it's like a field, and then there's a tornado, and then it blows them yeah, up. Yeah, that made no fucking. I didn't sense, understand but... that. I also went to the bathroom during that moment, but I did not understand what was going on there. And then, um, and then eventually they get to the point where in there they're in the the the, the neighborhood with like yeah. the Stepford Wives. They're in the thing. neighborhood, and then they're on the beach, and then they're just in like a white space. A white like, and the room that reminds me of like uh, like the Matrix, like from the yeah. end of like the second Matrix movie, where it's like this this big white room, which is a big part of what makes it feel like that kind of simulation. Yeah, which I guess is how they were trying to sell it, but it's not one hundred percent clear. No. So okay, so yeah, so in it, the book, it's, yeah, it's not a simulation; it's an actual planet that. The it has like taken complete control of. Okay, it's a planet that has fallen to the darkness. They've like stopped resisting. Okay, against the darkness. So the you scene. You say they are their inhabitants of yeah, the city. There are people that live there. Oh, were those like people in the house people. supposed to be? Yeah. Well, I don't know if they're supposed oh. to be in the movie because they play a more like like robots yeah, like, or like, like a, a simulation like a like, yeah. but in the book they are actual people oh. who are being forced to live this way like the scene with everybody bouncing the balls yeah. in time and then all the mothers step out in time that's in the book okay and it was in the trailers and now having seen the movie i'm pissed that it was in the trailers because that was that was like book baiting yeah like they made me think that it was going to be the way it is in the book and it wasn't yeah because it all folds away yeah it's no very that much doesn't feels like a simulation like when they leave that scene it like disappears yeah. and like like dominoes here and it folds up which made me think that it yeah for me as an audience member not knowing all i thought that scene was was the it trying to like somehow seduce them into I, you know what i, I mean guess. not seduce them but like um yeah to trick them into coming into the house so that it could capture them oh, whatever i don't even know like i i yeah so basically in the book Kamazots is a place that the it has 100 mm-hmm. percent control over mm-hmm. and everyone who lives there has to abide by these rules or else and they go through like conditioning. Oh. So in the, when they're in the scene in the neighborhood, there's this one boy who can't quite bounce his ball in time. Oh. And then closer to the end of the book, when she goes back to Kamazots, she sees him being conditioned to bounce his ball in time. Huh. And it's horrifying. Yeah. So to me, Kamazots in the book way more sinister yeah way more interesting and i'm really upset with the writers and with the director for missing the opportunity to make a statement about this kind of homogeny and forcing everyone to fit into the same mold um and the fact that they didn't take that opportunity makes me distrust the movie I already felt like a lot of the platitudes in it were kind of empty, but for me, the fact that they decided nah on that opportunity confirms it. Huh. It's interesting because, I mean, it fits totally in line with the themes of the movie. Yeah. To do that, my 
only guess of why they wouldn't portray that is it it could have been I could see it being very difficult to establish this whole other world with like and and establish the fact that those citizens are I I don't know how you, how it's done in the book if it's done through like third person like or you know like like narrate I, I mean you see it when you go there right like you see how everybody is the same and they all do the same movements and I guess and the they pro- also talk to a guy okay see yeah that that would be interesting because yeah. I, I yeah because you very much get the Im- implication or the feeling in the movie that it's it's just like an empty like yeah core like a like a rocky planet that this the the it somehow shows them things on to right. like fuck with them yeah basically huh yeah that is really strange that they would decide to get rid of that because my, like I said, my only thought would be that it, they thought it could have been too convoluted and, and hard to explain it towards the end of the book. I, I mean, moving. I just, I'm so disappointed because I think they went with something that was less impactful, that was less meaningful, that was more generic. It also, because it, it, that at least to me, I feel like would make more sense. I would be less confused about what this place was or yeah. what, the, like the it was or like what their i don't say goal but like it would at least give me a feeling for what the threat was and, and what um i think it would help ground the the yeah the third act of the movie where i was very just sort of like mm-hmm. all right i don't I don't really get what we're doing here like we're saving her but like hmm, how to explain it yeah that that would absolutely help me um sort of see and 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 feel more grounded and like the cuz I thought the movie had a really big problem with world building. Oh yeah. And I think having that that if they had gone that route where there was a race of people here or whatever that were broken by the it or whatever and are now living this homo- yeah, as you said, uh homogenous um cult-like, not cult-like, but whatever existence would sort of uh, ground the third act in a way that made more sense, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. That is a very interesting change. It's, um, like I said, it's it's a change that makes me not trust the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really disappointing. There was, like, the other one of the other big problems I had was that it... I felt like a lot of the characters weren't established very well. Meg being a a, a big important one. I think mm-hmm. uh, Storm Reed, Reed Storm, I don't Storm know. Reed, uh, does a great job. Um, she's a really good actress, but I didn't get a lot of, and maybe a lot of this was cut. It was the thing I mentioned earlier. There's not very much science in the in the movie. Yeah. For for especially for the fact that like that's kind of like a big thing from what I understand is that oh this group book helped inspire little girls to be scientists. Yeah. I don't feel like her character ever really does much science. Um, there's a scene in one of the trailers where she explains transdimensional travel that is not in the movie. Yeah. That, that's like in the first act of the movie, would have been in the first act of the movie, and would have sort of helped to me establish her character as the science thing. They show her like being interested in what her dad does at a very young age and like being into science. Um, and they, they have pay some lip service to the fact that she was a good student, but I never mm-hmm. got the vibe that like she was like a super smart like 
science science person early and right they, they and, don't actually show her really doing that and they don't until randomly in the middle of the movie where she's like calculating trajectories in her head or yeah. something like during that tornado sequence she somehow has the idea that if they and she says I, and again i was going to the bathroom during this moment but she says something about uh classic slingshot she so they get in a they get in a fucking stump when this tornado comes and the stump, and they get in the stump, and then the stump gets thrown up onto the cliff by the tornado. I that scene is not in the book, and it made zero sense, and I could not even tell you what they were going for. But I swear she says something about like no, she math. does. She like tries to calculate the way that velocity it'll swing or, them. Yeah. But how could she possibly? How could she know? possibly do that? It doesn't make. And then when they get up there, she goes classic slingshot maneuver. Which now that's a thing, but it's not a thing. In the way they say it's a thing, what a slingshot maneuver is, is when you use the mass of a planet or a moon or whatever and the orbit of it, yeah. the gravity to, so like when we go, uh, it was a, it was a big key point in the Martian movie, but where will you use, you shoot like a, a satellite or a rocket, whatever you want to do, you can shoot it like around a large planet or a moon or whatever and use the gravity of the um, of the planet or the moon to slingshot your satellite or whatever around and then on to whatever right. else you want. Um, and that's how they, they do that in The Martian. That's how they save the people at the end. Spoilers. Um, and she says that, but, but that doesn't happen because yeah. it's just wind. I've, A tornado I picks up the thing and throws it onto the top of the cliff. That's not a slingshot maneuver. I don't know. That whole scene could have been cut. That whole scene could have been cut because it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't add anything. But but it I, adds a moment where she gets to pretend to do science, but it doesn't even make sense. I, I was uh, I don't know. We need to we need to wrap this uh, up. Cause oh, what time is it? That's like almost nine thirty. Oh Jesus. Okay. I'm sorry. I just had so much to say. Um, I know. But yeah, I, I just I wish they had set that up better. And I also would say would have set up her flaws more. I yes. like I feel like I get where her character goes, but I feel like they didn't do a great job of setting up her insecurities early on. We get hints of it throughout the movie with her hair yeah, and that sort of thing, but we never get that, like, the whole thing where it, she always feels like like she's doing everything wrong. I never got that vibe necessarily mm-hmm. early. Like, there's, they, and maybe they, they cut like, some of that. They don't really show us. They no. just kind of tell us that she's having problems in school yeah. or whatever. I mean, they're, like you said, there are hints of it here and there, but they don't do a good job of showing that and setting up her character. Yeah, and then there's the bullying, the bully, the whole thing with the bully, which is a kind of, but that doesn't really work. And then the, and the thing that I knew from the beginning where I was like, oh, no, this is going downhill. Was, and it's very early in the movie. Is when Charles Wallace is sitting on a bench mm. and those two teachers behind him are, are literally are engaging in the worst, most canned dialogue the I've most ever heard. Expository. I could not believe my ears. I know. I we was, looked over I look, at each we other. We looked at each other the like theater. what is happening? They're literally like the one teacher's like, Yeah, it's a real shame that uh Meg's dad disappeared four years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just left. He'll probably he's never gonna be back. I know. Yeah, it's really affected Meg. She used to be such a good student, but now she really can't she's just she's really problem <laughs> child. Yeah, and that Charles Wallace, he's really brilliant, but you know, uh there's something weird about him. Yeah, and uh, you know, her mom is she's probably they're probably dealing with a lot like it's just back and forth forever of them just like saying what I was like, what are we watching? And now I will 
I will. Here's here's my one defense I'll give. I'm gonna say defense. I will. I would like to imagine, and maybe this is the case, that this movie works for little kids. I'm trying. That's what I've been trying to think about the whole past I mean, like 24 hours. Me too. I'm trying to decide if I would have liked this movie as a kid. And if so, I'm. It's all that matters to me. Honestly, not all that matters, but. I think I might have as a little kid. I don't know if I would have liked it even as like a 10 or 11 year old, though. Yeah. I'm worried I might be, might have been bored because yeah. it seems like it could be boring. Yeah. But I guess my thing is, and I, if, if this was really made for kids and, and sort of our problems with the pacing and the editing and, and the dialogue, like, the, like little kids not going to give a shit about the fact that two teachers are standing there expositing sure. the most on the nose yeah. bullshit ever. Because they're little kids, they'll just take it in. It's a, you know what I mean. And so those kind of problems, and and like the my problem with the close ups and the medium shots and and being lost in space, I feel like kids maybe not have that problem. And if if kids can watch this movie, and because there are a lot of movies like fucking uh, like Hook, mm-hmm. critics hated that movie, mm-hmm. got terrible reviews when it came out. Every kid that saw that movie when they were a little kid fucking loved it. Yeah, and it was like super important to their childhood. Maybe this movie will be that. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I generally come from the school of thought that like, yeah, there's kid, there's movies, they're for kids, and maybe we shouldn't measure them to the same kind of standards that we do for movies for adults, but also kids aren't idiots. I know. They just don't know all of the cues yet yeah but you can help them learn those cues by giving them good stories yeah Yeah, i know yeah i agree i just like i said i i think there's enough moment i wonder if there's not enough moments in this movie that have good moral messages and good uh sort of simplistic and on the nose yeah. Messages that will work for little kids and teach them some important things at, while being in a sort of wild, multicolored dream ride <laughs> that that the fact that it doesn't work for a people who understand uh, storytelling. Yeah. Maybe that doesn't matter. I don't want to say it doesn't maybe, matter, yeah. but maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. And But I don't, I don't think you're wrong about kids. And telling good stories to kids. I'm not disagreeing with that. I just, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. As the years pass. Yeah. I could talk about this movie forever. I'm not even close to, I know we're, we're, good. I we're know. done. We, I gotta, we're going to have like an hour and a half long podcast I know, and I got to edit this, but I feel like I didn't even get close to touching on all the stuff I wanted to talk about. But, um, but yeah, it's just, it's a. Uh, it was a disappointment. Super disappointing. Especially after like. Like, the very first teaser trailer for this, yeah. where it's just images from the movie and sweet dreams are made of this playing in the background, I was like, holy shit, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. This looks amazing. And then, like, as more and more trailers came out, I started to feel leery about it. Like, maybe this is going to be really cheesy. And having seen it, I'm just very disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's very cheesy. And, yeah, it... It's 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 just it's not good. It's not good. I I really am interested now to watch Selma. I never saw it, yeah. but 
everybody raves about how good it is and I ju- and about how great of a director Ava DuVernay is. And I'm so interested now to see because this was so astonishingly bad to me. I mean, like I said, there are lots of things I like, but just in general, so astonishingly bad. I'm really interested to see another movie she's done. Maybe a very uh, a less complicated mm-hmm. adaptation. And it's not even an adaptation; it's a historical retelling or whatever. But you know, something that's not a- adapting a crazy uh, cross-dimensional well, I mean, sci-fi story. Is, that's the thing, though. The book has a lot of like kind of kooky ideas in it, but the story itself is pretty simple. Yeah, and I think where the adaptation failed was that. They tried to add to it, yeah. and they tried to change things without seeing those changes through. Yeah. Well, so, <laughs> final verdict? No. <laughs> Are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterward. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the book on this one. Yeah, it's... And no, I surprise. part of me wishes that I could have gone with the movie. Yeah. But I'm going to have to go with the book. Read the book. Yeah. I'll, I'll recommend it pretty wholeheartedly. Um, it's a little simplistic. I probably didn't like it as much on the reread as I did when I was a kid. Yeah. But it's it's pretty solid. And okay. it is a classic. All right. The movie... I don't want to tell anybody not to go see no, it. No. No. I, I mean, actually, I think I would... I I would I, w- I would say if you have kids, take your kids to go see. Yeah, it. I think it's worth kids at least seeing if they like it. Yeah, or I I would say like if you were already wanting to see it, go see. Don't it. let me dissuade yeah. you. Yeah. If you are not interested, don't bother. No, no. If it's something that sounded remotely unappealing to you, or that you saw a trailer and go, ah, eh, it looks kind of cheesy. You're you're yep. Yeah, you're, you're already right. you're 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 on you're not gonna like it. <laughs> um, but I would say I would say it's worth it for it, you know there's not that many things for kids to go see all the time. I think this yeah. would be one of the things at least take it. They'll they might like it. Who knows? I run the experiment for us. Take your kids, <laughs> see if they like it. Yeah, it's we got don't good have any messages. kids to take, so no. take your kids and let us know yeah. if they liked it. It's got good messages. It's got a good you know good uh, interesting. Yeah, whatever. I it's uh, I don't know. I could literally we might have to do a special episode about this where we talk about it for another hour and a half because <laughs> I really, really could. Um, I have so many other things I want to talk about. So if you want to hear us talk more about this, let us know. We'll do a special episode. But we got to end this one here, Katie. What's next? So next time we will be previewing the Princess Diaries. <laughs> okay. As well as Ready Player One. I thought we could Those use, are great. I thought we could use a break from like all the sci-fi in the middle there. Yeah. So also those are great. I don't know anything about the Princess Diaries, but I can't imagine there's a better counterpoint to uh, <laughs> Ready Player One from what I've read so far. Yeah. Than Princess Diaries. Princess Diaries is one of my favorite adaptations. Okay. So I'm pretty excited about it. I have a fucking feeling that ready player one is going to be one of my favorite adaptations because <laughs> we'll get into it once i finish the book but oh boy yeah you've told me a little bit but oh, don't tell me too much oh boy because i don't want to know any spoilers oh boy let's just say this ready player one is not good the book <laughs> <laughs> um all right so that's the next episode previewing princess diaries and ready player one and then we have back-to-back episodes after that 
because one's in an off week, so we yeah. won't have a preview episode. We'll have two regular episodes after the next preview episode. So get excited for that. Uh, bone back up on the Princess Diaries and uh, get ready to go see Ready Player One, or if you've read it. And I'm sorry if you have. <laughs> Babe, don't give it away. <laughs> There's so many people that like this book, uh, and I thought I would. But, whew, boy, we'll get into it uh, next time and then the time after that. Until then, keep reading books, keep watching movies. Just, unfortunately, read the book of A Wrinkle in Time and maybe go see the movie. Uh, but, you know, you know what? <laughs> 